Welcome to the TEFL Training Institute podcast, the bite-sized TEFL podcast for teachers, trainers, and managers. Hi, everyone. Hi. So, welcome back, our special guest, Matt, Matt Courtois. Hey, I'm Matt. How's it going? So Matt is a Diploma and Diesel qualified teacher and he works as a training manager at the moment. Right, Matt? Yeah, that's right. Great. Mm. So this week I, I wanted to read to you guys a, a quote from an article I came across on Edutopia by Ben Johnson. And the article is called Great Teachers Don't Teach. And he says, quote, Great teachers engineer learning experiences that maneuver the students into the driver's seat and then get the teachers out of the way. I thought that was really interesting because it reminded me of another quote I heard before from Peter Drucker, the management guru, who says, I hire smart people and get out of their way. So I, I thought today that we could talk a bit about when is it better to do less, like either as a teacher or a trainer or a manager? Mm -hmm. What are the times when less is more? So I remember when I started uh, being a teacher trainer, yeah. I spent a lot of time prepare one training session. And I remember I told maybe both of you at the very beginning when I started the trainer job, I felt so exhausted because mm. I felt like I kept talking a lot and try to demonstrate a lot and try to give all the knowledge and skills to the teachers at one time. Yeah. But I forgot, actually, I don't have to do all these things. They should take the responsibility to explore uh, the areas that we focus on rather than me always tell them what to do that's why i think it's so important to balance and how much we input and then give them more time to practice and to discuss with each other yeah mm. absolutely but equally i think there's other times when it is important to actually do something mm -hmm. right like uh, tracy you were telling me about when you quit your job and you'd worked in the same company for 10 years and no one contacted you for an exit interview right <laughs> <laughs> And I believe the same thing happened to you, Matt. It did happen. And the same thing happened to me, right? So 25 years of collective experience and no manager is bothered saying, hey, have you got 10 minutes to give us your opinions about something? Mm -hmm. So I think there's also times when it's really important, either as a manager or a teacher or trainer, that you do something. Mm -hmm. But I thought it would be interesting today to talk about when those times are that it's better not to do something. Mm. Yeah, I think it's interesting, like, because I learned it as a teacher, you know, as a new teacher, your your instinct when you're lesson planning is thinking about all these things that you're doing, and you're not really considering what the students will be doing, you know, and now I think as a teacher, that's what I plan, you know, it's almost when I became a trainer, I had to relearn that again, you know, and, and, and as a manager, I relearned it again as well, that, you know, like, naturally, your focus is going to be on what you're doing and the thumbprint that you're making, when in fact, it should be focusing on how can you get those students or trainees or... or employees to be controlling a situation yeah absolutely great mm. so as usual we got three questions the first question is do great teachers teach less the second question do great trainers train less matt you can probably guess the third question i'm gonna guess it's <laughs> do great managers manage less well done <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling me the other night about was it a class that you didn't plan for? I think the class I was talking about. So basically, I was I was the floating teacher, so I was kind of the firefighter, and, and mm. sometimes so it's I had like a go, substitute teacher, basically, yeah. where you work in different schools. Yeah, and and uh, I went to this one center like about ten minutes before my first class, and I didn't <laughs> know my schedule or anything yeah. with this job, so they told me that. 
basically my first class in 10 minutes was going to be sort of a free talk type class that I had to write <laughs> myself and I had to plan for my, myself. And I was like, okay, cool. I can do one of the free talk type things yeah. I've done before. And then uh, they said, oh, and it has to be about household chores. <laughs> and they gave me a, a, like a stack of a hundred pictures of like brooms and stuff. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And I walked into the classroom not knowing what to do. And so I ended up just sort of spontaneously deciding, like, all right, I'm just going to make a game. And then I was like, <laughs> I don't have enough time to make a game, so I'm just going to get them to make the game. And I gave each of them half the pictures and then a big piece of paper, and they came up with this board game and then came up with the rules and everything, came up with some target language that you could practice saying and everything. And then basically halfway through the class, they swapped games and mm. played the, the, the game that the other team had designed. And I think it worked better than if I had created the board game myself and given it to them. Yeah, because, right. Because so much of the language and the thinking about the language came in the planning of the game itself. Were you not <coughs> saying with this as well that like when the students messed up the game, the other group would go over and correct them, right? Which would never happen if it was the teacher's game. Yeah, right? yeah. I think everybody would be trying to win and everybody would be trying to like do yeah. whatever. Whereas this is like they're, they're, they're ensuring that everybody else in the class is trying to play it yeah. correctly. This reminds me of something I used to do a lot when I was teaching kids, which would just be to sort of gradually devolve more and more responsibility in the class to the, the students. Like I think there's so many things that roles you assume the teacher has to have like I mean, a really simple one is just taking the register at the start of the class like who's here mm. and you know i don't have to do that right you can get one of the the kids to do that so i got them to do that you know and things like keeping scores collecting in homework there's so much stuff that you can responsibility that you can hand over to the students do, do you guys have any examples then of like specific areas you think it's useful for teachers to do less on or when you guys observe teachers when do you typically see teachers doing too much mm. language clarification great just teacher attempt to control the whole clarification stage and just keep talking and emphasize the I don't know, like rules or uh, clarify the meanings and then tell them the differences between different structures and the expressions rather than having students to explore the differences by themselves i know as a teacher of course if you realize students are not able to do, identify those right yeah. and you need to step in but you can see maybe, for example, maybe five out of eight like new uh, vocabulary and they're able to guess or they, they know the meaning by themselves. Why do you still spend that much time to clarify? Mm -hmm. So our job is not to explain everything. We explain or help them with the, the areas or things they, they don't understand or they're not very clear. No, one thing it reminds me when it always strikes me that the student or that the teacher is taking on way too much responsibility and they're, they're in the driver's seat way too much is during pair work and you see teachers walking around and monitoring and rather than stepping back and gauging where students are at, you see them interrupting the conversations and throwing in their own two cents and it doesn't really help students do the activity any better it's a lot of times you see see teachers doing it with students who are already doing the activity really well and using yeah. the language really well yeah you just interrupted people you just stopped learning from happening yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay so that was teachers should we talk a bit about trainers you had a really cool example of this matt of uh like minimalist training i think that you told me about with halfway through a certificate course and you had to do like a mock exam for the trainees which i think i mean there can be few things less student-centered or learner-centered mm. than 
an exam. And so basically, I, I took a two-hour block of time instead yeah. of a one-hour block of time. Uh, again, broke people up into two teams, and they wrote each other quizzes. And it was basically, I said, it has to be a third about the grammar we've covered in this course, a third about the pronunciation, and a third about Lexus that we've covered. I gave them an hour to go in, and I said, write the toughest quiz you can possibly get. So it took an hour to write that quiz, then they came back, swapped them, took each other's, and then... We had a long discussion when we marked them. You know, Team A, like, struggled with Team B's question, and they started arguing about the answer, and then we'd have to go back in our notes and figure out. And so it was great. I got to sit back the whole time and just let them argue and review themselves. And I I, I was very... Only a couple times whenever I was trying to resolve some arguments that I stepped in, I said, why don't we go back to that session on this date and you can see the answer. So this reminds me of like uh, when... Is it only working for teachers who have already got some basic knowledge or skills of teaching or language or anything and then they can do this type of trainer... Sorry, trainee-led or... Um, well, I guess it depends because, I, I mean, I remember another time, Matt, you and I did a cool thing in training where I think you did a one-hour training on like grading language and I did a like a one-hour training on error correction mm. to halves of the one group and then we said to our respective groups you guys now have to write a 30-minute training to train the other group on what you just learned but it can't be exactly the same as mine and they got time to plan that and then they they trained the other group so I think even in those situations, you can still hand over some ownership. But I think you're right, though. I don't think, for example, if it was the first day of a course, you can say, OK, write an exam for the other group. Because, <laughs> mm. well, you know, I don't know anything yet. But if it's a review, then... The reason why I said that is yeah. I sometimes... Um, you know, got feedback from some teachers, you know, in different sessions. And they felt, oh, this session that I didn't think the trainer did anything. Yeah, basically just let us to, to do all the work. So I don't think I learned anything. And maybe it's not true. They didn't learn anything, but they still felt like... Well, at least they, they didn't. Were... They weren't made to realize what they yeah. had learned, which is still a problem. But I heard that as well of someone also on a certificate course recently. And they complained to me every time, every training session, we read something and discuss and we get asked our opinions and that's it so i guess there's a balance there as well isn't it between the expectations maybe and the reality so i think for managers one of the biggest you know over managing things that happens is meetings like meetings 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 Oh, I'm totally with you. I, like, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people at every job I've ever been in sort of measure the performance of their team by like how often they meet to plan things. And, yeah. and like to, to go to a meeting regularly makes things makes this project seem legitimate somehow to a lot of the... the you know, a lot it of the makes you seem mind. organized as well, yeah. doesn't it? Oh, we're having okay. meetings. We took minutes, yeah. Mm. But in actuality, yeah, like if you're in a meeting, you're not doing anything. Like you're 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 talking about doing things, but the actual work isn't being done. Yeah. Well, absolutely. again, <laughs> I think both ends and pro- probably too extreme. Like, yeah. Or I experience, you know, working in a in a team, but there was no meeting, no updates um, for a long period of time. So I think you know the, the team members got really lost and confused and don't know what's going on in the team. I mean, I guess this comes down to the role of the manager. I think one of the manager's roles is as a conduit 
for information. So you have to sort of pass information around. And I think I think as part of doing that, you might need to have some meetings. But I think yeah, not not always, right? I don't know you guys, but when I was a new manager, I really didn't know how to delegate. I really struggled with that as well. Yeah, yeah. believe it or not. Because maybe that's also how people perceive. I don't know managers sometimes. Like if you,、uh, the manager is not in the meeting, not running around in the office, you know, looks really busy. So this manager is not doing much. It reminds me of the TV show Doctor House, and he has a team, three doctors. Also, when he was a manager, I think he did a really good job to make sure everybody. Use their potentials and the strength, and then to sort out the cases. So I I don't know if something that we can take away from that. It's interesting because if you look at what he does in that TV show, he spends a lot of his time sitting around doing nothing but thinking. And it, this reminds me of、uh, something from the eighty twenty principle.、Mm. And he quotes some I think very very old text about hiring leaders in the military. And he says there's four kind of managers or leaders, right? You can have lazy and stupid people. Those people are okay at management because they're stupid, but they won't screw many things up because they actually won't do very much. The worst managers are hardworking, stupid people because they will get involved in everything and cause all manner of demotivation and destruction. And you get hardworking, intelligent people who are okay managers. Like they go around and they do lots of things, but they never really get a chance to step back. But the best people for management. Are lazy, intelligent people because they will sit around and think about how to make things better and more efficient, and they'll spend more of their time thinking about how to do things and less of their time actually doing them. I think House is a great、yeah. example of that. I'd like to think of myself as a great example. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so at the beginning we kind of asked the question like, do great teachers and great managers and great trainers do they do less after that conversation? What what do you think? I think literally they don't do less. It's talking about which area of their job they do less. Great. Okay. Thanks for coming on again, Matt. My pleasure, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. For more podcasts, videos, and blogs, visit our website www.tefotraininginstitute.com. If you've got a question or a topic you'd like us to discuss, leave us a comment. And if you want to keep up to date with our latest content, add us on WeChat at Tefotraininginstitute. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate us on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs>